Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 381 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast, presented by Overdrive. This is Adam. Jill, how's it going? Good. How are you? I'm great. We're recording this on October 1st. It is a crisp 87 degrees outside. Lovely fall weather. I think it's 90, actually. Yeah. Um, So we're going to do a big old book haul again, because people seem to like that. And it's easier than Jill and I thinking of a theme. So first off, the voice you just heard is Andrea. Hey, welcome back. Hello. How's it going? It's going. It's going. And then the other person who hasn't been on in a long, long time, and that's our fault, not hers, is Rachel. <laughs> How's it going? It's going well, everyone. Thanks for having me back. Yeah. So, um, again, this is, we're going to probably do more of these just because it's fun to talk to all the people who normally came on in the past. And everyone else seems to look and get the stats people seem to like when we're just like, here's a whole bunch of books. So we're going to do what we always do when there's four of us in these rooms. We're just going to go around and let everyone kind of talk about books. Um, Jill and I may have less than you guys because, like, we just... We just, yeah. That's just okay. told everyone what we were reading. But I have some that I sort of, like, just started that I can maybe talk about. So no pressure, Andrew and Rachel. It's all on, it's all on <laughs> you guys. It's all on you guys. Um, which one of you would like to start? Either of you? Well, you're staring at me. So I, I well, that's just because we're in the same room with each other. There's two rooms. Um, all right, yeah, go ahead. You can start okay. with a book. So I won't talk about it too much because it just came out and you just posted your interview with Sarah. But I started reading The Tenth Girl. Mm-hmm. And as I told you yesterday, I was only three chapters in and already had the most messed up nightmares. It's so good. It's so spooky. And it's Yes, it's very creepy. And I don't understand what's happening, but I just know it's bad juju. You won't for a little while. Um, for people that might not have listened to the interview that we have with Sarah Faring, it's like a gothic, it's a gothic kind of horror haunted housey, yeah, school type of a book. But it's set in Patagonia, which is really creepy. So, which I had to look up pictures to get more of a visual. It's very pretty. Yes, it's like very blue. Yes, it's a very blue ice. It looks like it's photoshopped, but it's not. It's nature. Okay, so would you like to tell people, like, so far we're at? Um, so now I'm five chapters in. Okay. And it's still very creepy. No bad dreams last night. I think my problem is is I'm reading it as an ebook, and I read it while I am nursing my youngest daughter to sleep. So I'm sitting in a dark room reading on an ebook in dark mode, and it's just very atmospheric. So at 2 o'clock in the morning, it's also like I'm going to get attacked in the hallway on the way back to my room. There's also something that happens in one of the early chapters that is not unlike nursing, <laughs> where it involves some spooky things that I could see why you would be having hmm. creepy dreams. Okay. Yeah, I'm trying to not give away. It's not. It's probably not the best book to read when nursing in the middle of the night, but it's what I went with, and it's yeah. doing it to myself. Yeah, that's fair. So everyone should read that, especially since it's October. So. 
Okay, Rachel, you want to talk about one since we already talked about that a lot in like yes. the whole interview with Sarah? <laughs> yeah, sure. I think I feel like I've talked about a Patty Smith memoir every single time I've been on this <laughs> podcast, and I'm excited to be doing that again with her newest book, Year of the Monkey, which I finished in two hours last week, the day it came oh my out. God, what? It's a shorter book, and I I ripped through it. I love her so much. And this one, it's if you're a fan of just kids and M-Train and her writing in general, you'll love this one. But it's a little bit more compact in the sense that it takes it takes place over the span of one year, and that year being 2016, which we all know was a bit of a difficult year. <laughs> and that was the year that Patti Smith turned 70, and she um, lost one of her best friends, Sandy Perlman. So it's a mix of her writing about her dreams and her reality and her sort of creating a new reality that everyone is forced to live in with all the political turmoil and then she had a lot of personal stuff going on so it was really cathartic in a sense just reading about a lot of feelings I bet a lot of people have been feeling or have felt in their life and I mean her writing is just so beautiful so it's only someone like her can take that sort of pain and sorrow and make it sound you know, lyrical. Yeah. So it was really wonderful to read. So I would highly recommend that to anyone who is a, a fan of hers or a fan of punk music or just anyone that lived through 2016 <laughs> in general. So I don't think we have a yeah. lot of listeners who, are, who weren't <laughs> around in 2016. Yeah. So that's one I would definitely recommend. That's been uh, probably the best nonfiction book I've read so far this year. Nice. I would say. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah, no, no baby book nerds listening. No again. baby book nerds. Um, <laughs> Beg to differ. Oh, okay. Yeah. On the way to daycare today, I was playing the podcast, and Reese was in the back seat, and she's seven months old. So listen, you don't have to suck up to us because you're already our friend who comes <laughs> on the podcast. But thank you for thank you for listening. That's awesome. Just saying. Um, that sounds really really good. Jules, you have some books as well. I I do. Okay. No, I do. Um, so I actually last week I feel like that's hitting the thing weird. Okay. Um. So, yeah, when we were talking about September books or October books, I mentioned how I was in the middle of The Institute by Stephen King. Yes. I actually finished it. Mm-hmm. It was really good. Is it? It was really good. Yeah, and it's one of those books, I know whenever I talk about Stephen King, people are like, oh, I don't really like his horror stuff. It's not super graphic horror. It definitely is more kind of spooky, atmospheric, kind of about what is happening. Um, so I highly recommend that. And then I did start Wayward Son as well. And Are you okay? Still not emotionally prepared for it, but it's kind of fun to be back in that world with those characters. Mm-hmm. They're going on a road trip in America, which I mean, hello. Yeah, who doesn't love that? Baz and Simon on a road trip in America. <laughs> I am. I'm saving it for. I'm gonna take a lot of time off in November and December, and I feel like that's because much like you, I feel like I want to be home in my own house, feeling my own feelings mm-hmm. <laughs> where no one else can see me when I'm reading that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, That's man. why I haven't read the Testaments yet. So I also <laughs> really like that one, but I can understand that as well. I'm saving that one for my time off around the holidays. That's fair. Where That's I can fair. stay home Just if, like if needed. Be a puddle if you need mm-hmm. to be a puddle. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Um, all right. I have actually I have a couple. So I just started one uh, last night called Monster She Wrote. And it's nonfiction, and it's the women who pioneered horror and speculative fiction. This is by Lisa Kroger and Melanie R. Anderson. And it literally goes from 
like everyone probably is familiar with Frankenstein and mm-hmm. it being written by you know Mary Shelley and it being like the start of kind of horror as we understand it but this goes even further back to like the 16 and 1700s with like this woman known as Mad Madge who was like a um, she, they jokingly call her the a Kardashian before there were Kardashians <laughs> like she yeah. was in this you know she was in society and it was like you know everyone was expected to be prim and proper and like she actively was like body and very raunchy and like people would talk about her and she wanted them to talk about her so like she would wear ludicrously revealing clothing and like she was writing all of these stories that kind of became like what we ex- like understand as gothic stories and like and then it just goes from her and it goes all the way through to modern authors like Helen Oyemi and like all these people and it just basically is like a history of all of these badass women who wrote horror and, and speculative fiction so it's really fun it's it's a good book to like take in chunks because much like any books like these like there's chapters about each of these women so you can sort of like learn all about one or two of these people that you may not have known about and then you know go about your day and then come back to it so it's really really good and the cover is awesome um, i think i put it on our instagram story but yeah monster she wrote is really really fun so if you are in that mode and you want to talk about ghost stories and horror and like creepy science fiction during october it's a good book andrea um so my next one is a little nonfiction. Little nonfiction. It is nonfiction. Um, it's, it's a little nonfiction. It's tiny. <laughs> so it's it's titled "It Ended Badly: Thirteen of the Worst Breakups in History" by Jennifer Wright. And this story, or this these stories, are so messed up. Like Emperor Nero basically murders everybody he had an affair with. Um, well, sure. You know. Yeah, that one. Ended <laughs> they cover that one. Um, they cover. She covers Henry VIII and his. You know, all his breakups. Jill, do you have thoughts on Henry VIII? Oh, I have lots of thoughts on Henry VIII. <laughs> so the more there's like the more known stories, and then there's lesser knowns of someone who his girlfriend broke up with him, and he was so sad he ended up making a sex doll in her image. What? Like this is like like 1800s kind of like back in the day, and she even covers um, Doris Day, Eddie Fisher, and Elizabeth Taylor. Like so, it's like spans centuries, um, but it's very witty. It's very funny, and maybe getting broken up with the text in college wasn't so bad. <laughs> like, oh, man. Like, uh. these are, these stories, you're in for a ride. That is, I, are you doing okay? Yeah. You're, you're reading that and, like, a dark horror. <laughs> that one sounds like it'd be good on audio. Did you listen I to did that listen one? I did listen to audio. Yeah. yeah, I did listen to audio. Um, Yeah, it was good. So it was a good, like, while you're working, kind mm-hmm. of. And every once in a while, like, when you're really paying attention, you're like, did I just <laughs> hear <laughs> did that you right? Did just say that? <laughs> Oh man, That's, who is that by again? Jennifer Wright. That sounds very fun, but in a weird way. Like it is. It's a lot, of, and she's very like dry humor, sarcastic. Like especially in like the Henry the Eighth chapter, she's like, "This guy sucks." Yeah. <laughs> she's like, "I'm not going to be nice to him because he's just a bad person." Pretty much. <laughs> not great. She's like, mm-hmm. "It's all his fault. Everything." Yeah. That, I mean, that's but, you can say that in a lot of that. Just, yes. It's all his fault is usually accurate. <laughs> Especially in his case, though. Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the root of the problem is usually a guy. Yeah. I can say safe space. But, yes, I do recommend that one. Okay. Rachel? Okay. So the next one I want to talk about is one that I kind of wish I would have saved for a long break where mm-hmm. I could have just been home. And this one's been getting a lot of buzz 
in, you know, the library pre-pub space, and it's called um, My Dark Vanessa, and it's by Kate Elizabeth Russell. And it comes out in 2020, which sounds very weird to say, but that's not that, <laughs> not far, that away. far away. Yeah, comes out in uh, January 28th, 2020 from uh, William Morrow. So thanks for the advanced review copy, guys. Always appreciated. <laughs> and it's a debut novel that already has three starred reviews. Wow. And this quote from Stephen King that was on the jacket cover, I think, puts it perfectly so I'm going to read it and he said it's a hard story to read and a harder one to put down a well-constructed package of dynamite so I saw that and was like okay I gotta read this one and it was tough to read in the sense that it's almost like a, a modern day Lolita it explores the psychological dynamics of a relationship between a 15 year old girl and her 42 year old teacher and um, it's kind of swift um, switches back and forth perspectives from the current day to um, like 2017 and 2000 when the abuse happened. And another student had came out publicly during the Me Too movement mm-hmm. against this teacher. And it just brought back all these feelings to, you know, the character of, of to Vanessa. And it's sort of her, you know, recalling the memories and dealing with the trauma and just everything you would imagine. So it was one of those, it was a powerful, important book, beautifully written. I hadn't read anything that affected me this much, I think, since I read A Little Life years ago. <laughs> so it's sort of in that vein. That I mean, just the writing was beautiful and, you know, telling, talking about a topic like that is so tough. Mm-hmm. And she, she just did it with such grace and it was a really wonderful story. So I would rec- very much recommend it to everyone, but with a, a trigger warning and a make sure you have yeah. <laughs> the emotional availability to read it at the time you read it. That makes sense. Yeah. So, I mean, it was. I think a lot of people are going to be talking about it for sure when it comes out next year. That cover is incredible, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a it's black and white photo of what looks like a teenage girl. She's like, like eyes are closed, mm-hmm. on her eyes is covered, and there's a butterfly over it. It's... It's a really good cover. Yeah, I think that one's going to be huge. And then then immediately after that one, I read Three Women by Lisa Taddeo. I think I'm, I don't know if I'm saying that. Tadeo. Tadeo. Tadeo, Yeah, Yeah, and that one came out in July. So then after, which that one I had a little bit of mixed feelings about. I liked, I liked two of the stories. (laughs) Two of the three women she talked about. And so then after that, I just had to read Every Drake Starts Over and have a nice little... Fun palate cleanser. Yeah, cleanser. Yeah. yeah, and then I listened to a bunch of Will Wheaton narrated audiobooks oh. to sort of reset me. <laughs> let's, let's circle back on those. Yeah, let's circle back on those because I will always support a Will Wheaton. Yeah, we'll get back to that in a second. Yeah, so that's kind of that's where I've been yeah. lately. So um, I like to. It's been a good cyclical year of like you know reading heavy stuff and then really fun light stuff. Yeah. I've sort of I balanced it out kind of well. There have been years where I read only really heavy stuff. Oh my god. Yeah, I couldn't do that. No. Mm-hmm. And not even like on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> it just it's sort just... of happened. Yeah, that's. Um, <laughs> Jill, do you have more? I, know I do. Okay, yeah, cool. so I'm actually listening to an audiobook of Sycamore Row, Sycamore Row by uh, John Grisham. It is sort of a sequel to A Time to Kill, and that it is the same um, attorney, uh, uh, Jake Brigance, a couple of years later. Um, and in this one, it is a white, an older white man um, kills himself, and the day before he died, he changed his will and left it to his black housekeeper and, like, cut all of his kids out. Um, and so, of course, it's a, that's 
the kids don't really like that part for no, a lot not, of reasons. Not great. <laughs> when you're in the South in the mm-hmm. 1980s and yeah. <laughs> rich white man leaves all of his money to black woman, there's problems. So, um, I don't know. I've been on this, like, John Grisham kick recently, um, and I forgot. They're, I like them. I like legal sort of thriller type mm-hmm. things, and his books are pretty quick and easy to read. So yeah. I'm, in, I'm enjoying it. It's long, though. I didn't realize how long it was when I got it, but mm-hmm. working my way through that one. Um, do you remember if I talked about the Goblin Emperor? I don't remember. I don't think. I don't think that I did. doesn't sound familiar to okay, me. Okay, I talked about it, I think, on someone else's helps. podcast. But they're not this podcast. That's okay. So I read this book called The Goblin Emperor, which is by Catherine Addison, and it's like... I want to call it high fantasy because it is, but it's it's very much like the political intrigue. Part. If you like the political intrigue aspect of Game of Thrones, this is a book that you will very much enjoy. So it takes place in this world where uh, it's this elven, elvish world, and uh, there is this half goblin, half elf who is living away from like the high courts because his father is the, the king but like had a marriage with a a goblin and like they got married and then she died and he didn't really care about this child and he had lots of other potential heirs so basically like cast him off and he's not a part of everything going on and then something happens where basically everyone in the king's uh, the emperor's line dies tragically and so this half goblin gets thrust as the uh, as the emperor and he goes to this place where he knows nothing really about the high court and what's going on and it's just it's all about his like day to day life where, like he the first day he gets there he has to learn like oh I have to be dressed in all of these ludicrously insane clothes and like it isn't in my it's not normal for an emperor to go to a funeral for all of these lesser known people who no one cared about but he wants to do that and, like it's just all of the day-to-day stuff that he has to endure to go from being sort of like a laughing sock who no one trusts and they're just trying to figure out a way to get rid of him all the way to like kind of becoming a respected emperor and like it's at first you meet so many people and Catherine Addison has built this world that's so rich and intricate that like they even make jokes where they'll explain all of these courtesans and all of these like dukes and people that you've met and their names are all ludicrously long and like even like in the Part, like the emperor is like, well, I'm never going to remember that. Almost as like you, he's taking place of the reader because you're just in like, are all of these people important? And like, a lot of them aren't. But it's just like the building it out for her to be like, yeah, there's so much going on, and the world that she built is awesome. So it's really, really interesting. It took me a little bit to get into how they 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 speak in like the third person a lot, and it, it takes some getting used to. But once you're kind of in the the text, it's really, really good. So again, like if you're I got into it expecting it to be like a lot of magic and that type of fantasy, but if you like the political intrigue aspect of like Game of Thrones and stuff, you'll really, really, really like this. So, Goblin Emperor, highly recommend. It's really good. Different than the Goblin King. That's what. Okay, thank you, <laughs> thank you. I know it's not the Goblin King. If you like the Goblin King from the Labyrinth, you should read Winter Song by S. J. Jones. Does he dress like David Bowie? That's yes. all I know. Like though. literally, the the Winter Song uh, is basically like the description <laughs> of it is like the person's like I love the labyrinth and Princess or uh, not Princess Bride, but uh, Beauty and the Beast. So I wrote a book about it. So yeah, Winter that's Song. fair. Winter Song is awesome. You can go ahead. Okay, so I'm gonna do a another nonfiction. I've been on a nonfiction kick lately. I don't mm-hmm. know why, but I have. 
Um, so this is titled, You Are an Effing Awesome Mom, So Embrace the Chaos, Get Over the Guilt, and Be True to You. I think I know why you picked that one. By Leslie and Bruce. Um, so Leslie is a mom of two. Her daughter, Tallulah, is four. And I don't know her son's name, but I think he's like one. Tallulah is a great name. Yes. Is a name. My favorite, she, I, so I follow her on Instagram, and apparently she introduced Tallulah to um, Bonnie Tyler's Total Clips of the Heart, and Tallulah hates it so much that occasionally Leslie will just post videos of her singing it to Tallulah, and she's just in the backseat crying, like, Mommy, stop! Wow. <laughs> anyway. That's good parenting. Um, like no, you have to survive. That's how you survive. I'm kidding. I'm, it's good parenting. Um, so she wrote this, and it's a very straightforward don't be so hard on yourself mom kind of book um she writes you know one of her stories in the chapter of you won't get a divorce probably is about how she threw her husband's cell phone out the window just because she was so annoyed with him um but they're very like honest true comforting stories of like don't live your life by instagram you know embrace your new body um, you're not doing this wrong when a good cry becomes a tsunami. <laughs> so, and for any of my mom friends listening, cover your ears because this is what you're getting for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I love this. I love her and I just love the book and the way she writes about motherhood and mm-hmm. not being so hard on yourself because it is hard. I, I believe you. Yeah, I'll take your word for yeah, it. Yeah, I know. Speaking to non-parents in the room, yeah. but... All of us are just, like, quietly nodding, like, okay, who's going to... The moms who anything? are listening get it. Yes. And we have lots of those. And you do have lots of those. Just not in this room. So, that's my little... Okay. I like it. Thank you. Yeah. Rachel? Okay, the next book I want to talk about was really fun. It's um, The Warehouse by Rob Hart. Did anyone read that? No, but I about that? wanted to, so... Yeah, it's... Um, it was good. The film rights were actually sold to Imagine Entertainment and oh. Ron Howard, so it's going to be made into a movie next year, which I am. I was picturing the movie the entire time I was reading it, so I'm excited for that one. It felt a lot like a Black Mirror episode, too, so any fans of dystopian fiction would love this one. And it's sort of a big, mo- uh, big, excuse me, big brother meets big business type book, or it's about um, this character's Paxton, this character Paxton, and he works for this company called Cloud, which is sort of like an Amazon on steroids, and they basically, like, now own everything in America, and they have these, like, facility, the Mother Cloud facilities, which is sort of like a live-work type situation where all the employees live there and work there, and it's just, you know, the company sort of take over, and then you can sort of imagine from there the shenanigans that happens (laughs) about how just that being the horrible situation but the writing was really great and it was one of those like I'm sure you're sort of imagining I thought it was going to be kind of predictable and how it played out but it wasn't there was a lot of what I thought were interesting turns and ways they took it so I would definitely recommend that one like I said to any dystopian fans and we can all read it and then discuss the movie after it comes out too and I think it's going to be one of those but yeah that one was good and then another one I read that was sort of in a similar vein both of these came out in August was um, First Cosmic Velocity by Zach Powers and that was um, well the warehouse was sort of like a near future dystopia First Cosmic Velocity was like an alternative history type book 
and it takes place during the 1960s space race in the Soviet Union. Hmm. And the premise was sort of that the Soviet Union covered up and lied about everything they did and that they would recruit um, twins as the cosmonauts and they would <gasps> send one of them up into space <laughs> to die. Oh and then God. the other one would stay around and pretend to be like the returned hero. <laughs> Did they flip a coin? <laughs> Who goes to space to die? Who is yeah. really? here? That's disgusting. <laughs> yeah, it is. Actually. Oh my God. <laughs> so yeah, so it was um, sort of like a play on like the absurd politics of the Khrushchev era and I don't know if anybody watched Chernobyl on HBO and mm-hmm. how they sort of covered things up. Yep. And it was one of those he managed to write in a lot of humor in this book that's, you know, about this horrible idea about, like, one twin goes to his death to, you know, make the motherland <laughs> look like they're winning the space race. But it was really it was really well written, and I enjoyed it a lot, and I'm looking forward to anything else that Zach Powers writes. I feel like that yeah. could be a conspiracy that people would believe. Uh, yeah, it was like, kind of like that, too. Like, I, there are people that I was like, you know, if you told me that this actually happened, I wouldn't... Yeah. I wouldn't right. discount I it wouldn't right away. I wouldn't discount yeah. it right away. Yeah, so I was, I was like, does he know something? That is amazing. Uh, yes, yeah, so it was a really fun book, and that one has a great cover, too. That was actually okay. how I picked up on it. I was like, oh, i got to read this. It is wild yeah. that how often, you know, like, don't judge a book by its covers. Oh, I do that so all the time. And all of us <laughs> do it all the time. And like, Obviously. Yeah. I will absolutely pick up a yeah. book based on a cover. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. I mean, that's also the reason why, like, if you look at covers, if you really look at a lot of covers all in one place, they just look so similar. I was laughing. Mm-hmm. I looked at um, Jill and I did our October books uh, last week. And like the ones we're most excited about, and a lot of them are like darker books. Mm-hmm. And so if you look at the covers, like back to back to back to back, they're all just like black with very shockingly like <laughs> mm-hmm. light colored writing. I'm like, God, this is this all oh this yeah, stuff. book cover trends are totally a thing. Did we talk about that when like there was big word? We I feel like we had a conversation about this like either earlier this year or last year where there was like well, some absurd trend. I don't know. Like right now, I know there's stuff about uh, like illustrated romance book mm-hmm. cover trend, and then. Was it last year where there was a trend of sort of vintage fonts? Yeah, and the pastel colors and the, and the pastel vintage colors, co- and the vintage yeah. fonts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. I know so. there's a couple with snakes right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ibargo has a snake on her. Yes, there was. I was yeah. thinking of that one. Serpent and the Dove. I know has a snake, and I know I've seen a couple with. There's a book called The Snakes that's really popular yeah. in the UK yeah. right now that has snakes on the cover. Yeah, this finished Serpent and Dove. It's very good. I talked about that last week, so I won't bring it back up again. I've got it on hold. It's good. You'll like it because of you. Aw, me. Well, probably like my Goodreads or the podcast. No, you slacked me. Remember I screamed about it? This is all happening. Mm -hmm. This is all happening. Yeah, I do remember that. Um, Jill? Yes, I have one more that I have not yet talked about. Oh, right? Um, I don't think I talked about it. Did I talk about Boy Erased? No. Okay. So I read um, Boy Erased by, I think it's Gerard Conley. Um, He, this was a movie that came out a couple years ago with Mm -hmm. Nicole Kidman and uh, Russell Crowe, and it is a memoir about his time in a, um, uh, God, what are they, now? The conversion. Thank you. Yeah. Conversion, the gay conversion. Mm-hmm. Um, he was sent away uh, after coming out to his parents. They sent him away to one, and so he writes about that. Um, my one, and I listened to it on audiobook, and the timeline is a little disjointed and I'm sure that is entirely intentional but he sort of like flips between multiple timelines and 
it was somewhat hard to keep track of being like, now where are we in time again? <laughs> but overall, it was really good. Um, and, you know, seeing the inside of sort of how those conversion facilities work is really terrifying and mm-hmm. scary. And um, he got, somehow he like kept information or he went back and got it later to sort of verify some of what he was talking about. Um I highly, highly recommend mm-hmm. it. Yeah, I love. I, I yeah. enjoyed that one. I listened to that on audio around the time the movie came out. Okay. I think. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. That does sound really good. Um, I don't know if I've ever talked about this book or not, but it's not new, but it's still wonderful. Uh, Life Among the Savages by Shirley Jackson. Uh, when people, you know, it's October, so spooky season, as we've been saying. Uh, when people think of Shirley Jackson, they think of We Have Always Been in the Castle, and. Uh, Haunting Any Hill House, or no? Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? Yeah. That's the actual name of it. Uh, so, like, she's obvious. And she's actually in the other book I was talking about, all the, you know, women of horror. Uh, but she also wrote several books, and the first one being Life Among the Savages, where <laughs> she basically just has this incredible sense of humor, and she writes about her everyday life in a sense that's just, like, people saw her and see her as this, like, you know, a huge literary figure which obviously she is but she's also a mother trying to manage a household and she's really really funny um so they had this huge house that was old and noisy and full of people and uh her and her husband moved in with uh they say their two children and their five thousand books and it basically is just like her daily life of like trying to do with like broken furnaces and cars that won't start and like bullies at school and her husband who she loves and adores being just wildly oblivious to all the things that she does on a daily basis to run their household and it is just this super kind of unique and funny take on everyday life and she wrote a couple different books um, like this but it's just it's funny to go into it if you don't have any idea that what you're going to get because it's Shirley Jackson and Life Among the Savages certainly sounds like it could be like a horror story but it's not it's just no it's <laughs> children yeah and well children <laughs> are the savages exactly um, it's very very funny and if you're a fan of Shirley Jackson you've never read any of her like autobiographical stuff you really should check it out it's great so and they they lived in rural Vermont which feels exactly where I would have assumed. Feels picturesque. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, that was part mm-hmm. of the reason they moved there. So, Do you have more that you'd like to talk about? I do. By all means. Um, so this one actually was a listener recommendation to me specifically. I felt real popular. I don't even remember this. You told me about it. I believe you, but <laughs> um, my brain is like a goldfish. You're so. like, hey. Um, so this is Into the Drowning Deep by Mira Grant. Yes, okay. Do yes, you remember it right now? Yes, it's coming back to me. Um... So this is also kind of horror-ish. So there's this company called the Imagine Network, and they make mockumentaries. So it kind of, and what they make sounds like you'd, something you'd find on like the Sci-Fi Channel, mm-hmm. like Bigfoot, aliens, those kind of things. So seven years ago, they were making a mockumentary in the Mar- Mariana Trench, and things went horribly awry, and everybody died, and they could never find the bodies, and the ship just kind of, they found some. I think the Navy found the ship completely deserted and also kind of a bloodbath so nobody knows what happened so seven years later um the sister of one of the women who was on the ship signs up for the take two 
if you will. Oh, thank you. Sure. Um, and they also have a scientist on there who specializes in mermaids, because that's what the mockumentary was about, was uh-huh. about mermaids. And there's a couple other people there, and they were like, oh, yeah, we beefed up security, we fixed the boat, it'll be fine, and things are not fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. Things are not fine. Things are not fine. This is not Ariel we're dealing with. These are like hardcore mythical eat your heart, yeah. tear yeah. out your throats mermaids. Like the ones from uh, um, at the very end of Cabin in the Woods. Although that's a merman. That's a merman. That's a merman, sorry. But yes, along those lines. Um, so people start dying, people start seeing things, and everyone's like, oh, this is real. This is not a joke. We are actually like fighting now for our lives against mermaids. Hmm. On top of all of the things that are in water, <laughs> I I love the ocean, but I have such a deep respect for deep deep water. Like mm-hmm. I don't want to. Nope. You there's like if you're down there, guys. There's so much water above you, and that's not where <laughs> water is supposed to be. It's, it's not even that. There's like creatures down there that we don't even know about. <laughs> oh, I to, oh, and we'll have to bring one. I, I respect their space. Right. <laughs> I'm you not stay going there. there. I am not going anywhere near there. Christine and I have had like hour hour long conversations away from the office about how octop octopi are sure. just aliens. It's 100. Mm-hmm. Have you did you see the video? That was floating around. Um, there is an octopus. Floating around. Who's dreaming? The dreaming. Yes. Changing colors? Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. 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 So mm-hmm. for people who haven't seen it, there's a video <laughs> of an octopus that's like in captivity and it's sleeping and it's they assume it's dreaming because while it's sleeping and unconscious, it's just changing colors mm-hmm. like octopi can do. <laughs> but it just is one of those things where it's like hauntingly beautiful, but also... Those Why things. are you changing well, colors right now? <laughs> I yeah. saw on Twitter there was an article. These like scientists found this. It was like it looked like a snot rocket yes. of like this animal, you it know, was just in someone's bare hands. I'm like, put it back. Yeah, they're like, we've never seen this before. I'm like, put it back in the water. Yeah. Put it back. I've seen like, so many horror movies that end, that start yeah. this way. Gosh, leave it alone. Sorry. It probably didn't even know we exist, and now it knows, and now we're all doomed. Yeah, now it's super knows, and now it's angry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And oh. now it's going to go tell its friends, and they're going to get angry. Yeah. Ten years from now, when that thing's fully grown, right. it's yeah. coming back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what else looked really cute when it was a baby? Demogorgons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See? Stranger Things. Uh, Rachel, do you want to talk about more, I think? Um... Nothing major. The book I just started was um, How Not to Die Alone by Richard Roper that came out earlier this year. I'm heading to the UK for our UK seminars in a couple weeks, so I wanted to read something based in London. And this one is really charming and cute so far. It was labeled as good for fans of Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine, which mm-hmm. I loved. So this one's um, is pretty good so far, so hopefully I'll report back after I finish that one nice. soon. And then, yeah, after reading First Cosmic Velocity, my TBR pile grew exponentially because I'm really seeing a, a trend in Soviet era novels. A collection mm. development librarian in me has been picking yeah. up on that hardcore lately. Uh-huh. So I'm hoping to read um, the secret we kept, the secrets we kept by Laura Prescott soon, and then American Spy by Lauren Wilkinson. A lot of those are in the same vein. Yeah, so I'm excited. Is yeah, popular. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, so I'm looking forward to. Getting down a, a wormhole in the Soviet era mm-hmm. novels. That's my plan for yeah. this fall. <laughs> that sounds like I'm pretty into it. Yeah, yeah I'm into it. So that's, that's where I'm heading. Oh, that is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I just started one this morning that I will give a shout out to our CEO, Steve Potash, who set up something for Jill and I. Uh, he met a local <coughs> author to us in Cleveland 
named Barbara Marlowe, and it's nonfiction. And basically, Barbara was uh, looking at the news one day in the early 2000s, or like a little bit later than that, but um, and she saw this picture of this young Iraqi girl who had been badly, severely burned in an IED explosion. And the young girl's name is Tiba, and the story is about how she felt just compelled for some reason. She saw this picture and she couldn't get it out of her mind. She felt compelled to help this young girl. Um, and so it's this whole story about how she spends over a year trying to figure out a way to get Tiba um, some medical care and ends up bringing her over to Cleveland to work with uh, university hospitals and this whole thing. And the story, I wasn't like... Steve told us, he's like, you should read this because we're bringing Barbara and Tiba into the office to do an interview and some stuff. And obviously, I wanted to read the book, so I didn't feel like a, a person who knew nothing about them when they walked in. But like, I was sitting at my desk this morning, like tearing up just at the beginning of the book already. So um, it's really, really powerful. And it's just a very, so far, very, very sweet story. So there'll be more about that later in the year. But so good. It's called A Brave Face. I definitely <laughs> recommend it. So and then this is just my October reminder that everyone should read. Uh, Washington Irving during October because Legend of Sleepy Hollow is like my favorite short story. <clears throat> Andrea, do you have any more you want to talk about? Um, I have an upcoming one I can talk about. Sure. Okay, it comes out on the 8th <clears throat> and it's by Renee Adia. I'm so sorry. I'm not going to try. I know, yeah. yeah. Um, she also wrote The Wrath and the Dawn and The Rose and the Dagger. This one is titled The Beautiful. And the short blurb is she returns with a sumptuous, sultry, and romantic new series set in the 19th century New Orleans where vampires hide in plain sight. Ooh. And it's not, it. from what I can tell from the synopsis, is it doesn't sound like it's your fluffy YA vampires. It sounds like it's, you know, the mean, evil. Much like your, your mermaids. <laughs> Much like my mermaids. <laughs> I, I mean, I am having some issues. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is there going to be a love story? No. Vampires well, aren't going to fall in love so with maybe anyone? you're not reading the book about telling you that you're being a great mother because you're worried about if you're being a great mother. Maybe you're reading that because you need some pick-me-up from all the dark stuff you're reading. Well, it does sound like there is a romance, but it sounds like she thinks he's the one who's murdering people. So it's kind of like that, like, oh, I'm attracted to you, mm-hmm. but you're also a murdering vampire, and I don't yeah. know if I'm down with that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, enemies to lovers to murderers. Yeah, yeah, it's the, you know, the standard. It's usually it's a good um, arc. <laughs> it is mm-hmm. a good. <laughs> um, throwing a, yeah, throwing vampires and sign me up. Uh, so yeah, so there's a bunch of murders and she's trying to figure out who's murdering them and what's going on and and it's 1872 New Orleans. When does that come out? Um, October 8th. Oh, okay. So very like very soon. Next week. It's not like. Rachel over there throwing out twenty twenty. <laughs> <laughs> but it all, yeah, it does sound like a really good, you know, October Halloweeny kind of yeah fall book. That does sound really really good. Um, Rachel, what uh, if you can recall what Will Wheaton audiobooks were you listening to? All of them, <laughs> I think. <laughs> sure, <laughs> so many. <laughs> Well, I, I re-listened to Ready Player One because I finally watched the movie. Yeah, yeah. The, the and then I listened to Armada, <laughs> and then I listened to his novella Dancing Barefoot. Did you? Which you, I loved, and then um, he has a short story one. Yeah, um, 
what is it's the, the dead trees yeah one. dead trees mm-hmm. give no shelter yeah and i listened to that one Oof. too that one was really good <laughs> so good and intense <laughs> that one was good really Lord. good i was glad i wanted that was one i think a, it was like a novella so it was maybe like two hours i wish it would have been 22 i hours. wanted it to be forever i wanted it to go on so long i was obsessed with that one i think i listened to it twice like nice. in a row immediately nice. afterwards i was like i was listening to it at libby and it was like do you want to return this i was like no, no. <laughs> i'm listening to this again it's like jill and daisy jones is here mm-hmm. pretty much yeah. oh yes. Um, yes, yes yes i was i was talking to somebody yeah. who was uh a fan of the podcast and overdrive and they're like yeah i listened to Daisy Jones, the audiobook, so many times that I felt guilty for everyone else in my library that I finally just bought my own copy yeah. of the audiobook. <laughs> like, that's on brand. That sounds just like yep. about all of us. Um, did you have? You said that was pretty much all yours, right? Over there? Yes. Okay. All right. I didn't want to cut you short. What about you, Andrea? You hit your hit your list? I had one more. You can talk about it. Okay. I didn't want to cut you off. And um, I know we, we've talked, you've talked about it on the podcast before. Um, Four Dead Queens by Astrid Schulte? I don't know how to say the last name. Okay. But, yeah, you, you oh, this was a long time ago. Yeah, that you was said, a long time ago. Yeah. Um, I think this was the last book I read before Reese was born. Because I remember being like, I'm going to finish this before I go into labor. Because I cannot go into labor not knowing how this ends. <laughs> um, but, no, it's really good. So, 17-year-old Carolee has visions of the four queens being murdered. And then she's, like, the only one who knows it and can solve it. And it goes back and forth between her trying to solve the, solve them and then what happened to the queens back and forth. Um, and I won't tell you, obviously, what happens, but... That'd be a weird way to describe right. a book. And here's then, um, because I read so much, I'm usually pretty good about figuring out the twist and what's going to happen. But I was completely blindsided. Hmm. Like, jaw-dropping... Hmm. I never even saw it coming, kind of. Is this a standalone? Yes. Okay. She's writing a new one. Not in this yeah. world, but yes, five, this is a standalone. Five Dead Queens. Um, <laughs> I will say, so I haven't read this yet. I've talked about it, like, all year and just didn't get to it. We have a copy at our house. But um, the the two people who I take YA fantasy advice from the most is Andrea and my wife, Alex. And mm-hmm. she was also, like, floored by this. She absolutely loved it. So I will say Serpent and Dove... Um, also has an ending that I did not see coming and it's really, really good too. I just put Four Dead Queens on hold. <laughs> yeah, Do I don't think, I don't think I've read much YA this year, so I'm going to add that one to yeah. my list. Do too. you want the physical copy? I mean, you can bring it in, but... Okay. All right. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I wouldn't be able to get to it for a couple. I, I think still the weekend. I think I saw it somewhere. It was like a Hufflepuff and a Slytherin. Or like a Slytherin is taking a Hufflepuff on a murder mystery, kind of <laughs> like nice. I get behind love, that. Yeah, love that. That is incredible. Um, and then I also I just want to give a shout out to our friends at Knopf. That's where the what we got. Uh, so we were sent two copies of the Secret Commonwealth, which is the new Philip Pullman Book of Dust mm-hmm. book. And I was getting really sassy with mm-hmm. Jill. I was making. I was. Giving her a hard time because she gave her. You copy. weren't even giving it to me because I wasn't I there wasn't yet. Even you there yet. Yeah, our friend. Uh, <laughs> you were giving Sydney. a hard time to Sydney because I gave it to Sydney. Yeah, our friend Sydney, and like I was joking around. I was like, "Oh man, she didn't like ask me." And Sydney's like, "Well, clearly she likes me better than you." I was like, "No, I get that." But and then, <laughs> that's not. But then Jill was like, and when Jill arrived and I was, we were joking about this, she's like, "You have a package up front, you idiot." And then I opened it. and It was my copy of the Secret Commonwealth. So extremely excited about that because Book of Dust is incredible. So the only problem with that is I'm gonna. Michael Sheen is the narrator of the audiobook of those. 
mm-hmm. and Michael Sheen isn't going to read me the book at my also, house. Also, that book is huge. It's yeah, it's very big. Mm-hmm. It's it's a, it's, yes. it's a thick it's a thick one, but it doesn't matter. It's Philip Pullman. I want it to be. Giant. I'm not I saying you like, shouldn't yeah. read it because it's huge. I'm saying I feel like the audiobook could be easier. Cause Listen, I read yeah. Prior to the Orange Tree earlier this year and also War and Peace, so I can mm-hmm. take a long. I can That's true. I still haven't. I know, like, she was like, think of Priory as three books in one, but I still haven't brought myself to be able to, like. Yeah, so, pr- yeah, but books. the Just problem is in. the first, she's like, think of it as three books in one, but the first book is 668 pages, mm-hmm. so it's like, cool. but it's <laughs> incredible. It's a great, great book. Um, that feels like a definite ebook read because then mm-hmm. I like psychologically I won't, won't be, be aware. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I feel like Adam, that's like a hashtag advanced readers problems. It's like, <laughs> oh, do yeah. I wait for the audiobook? Yeah, oh, because yeah. we get we don't get advanced copies of those. So I'm like, well, I have to wait four months if I want to read that, but I want to read it right now. Uh, but I, I want to wait for the audio. <laughs> Listen, I've the, had that battle in yeah, my head so many times. Peek behind the curtain when we have books yeah. that we need for specific interviews and stuff. I would go to like Rachel or someone on. <laughs> her team and be like, can you put this on the collection that only we have access uh-huh. to so I can listen to it? And I feel justified when it's for the podcast, but mm-hmm. then sometimes I'll ask, like, Megan Selfishly. and be like, hey, can you put this one on there? She's like, oh, yeah, for the podcast? I'm like, yeah, totally. That's the reason why I'm putting this on. Um, does anyone else have any other books that they want to bring up? I think we kind of got everything, right? No, that was it for me. Okay, well, that was a whole bunch. As always, everybody, those are going to be in the uh, show notes, so hope you weren't frantically writing these down. I should have said that at the beginning. Especially um, when we butcher their last names. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, everybody. Sorry. We'll get, we'll get better than that eventually. Um, okay. All right. Well, thank you, ladies, for joining us. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. And I hope you guys all enjoyed this episode of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Adam Sokol and Jill Grunewald, and presented by Rakuten Overdrive. For more information, visit professionalbooknerds.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.